If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of California Underground. This is a interesting episode because you're probably looking at us going, where the heck are they? And right now we're in the beautiful offices of our guest, Dan Fulkerson, part of Fata Fulkerson Law Firm, Law Group down here in San Diego, the best personal injury attorneys in San Diego. So if you have any personal injury, go to Dan. That's who I send everybody to. Um, we're here, first time doing it live. We're going to sit and talk with Dan because we've kind of got to talking a little bit about a lot of these issues, what's going on in the world. Dan also does his own like Dan rants. If you hear that jingling in the background, that's Frenchie Winnie. You know Winnie. She's the one who snores on my lives a lot. Um, she was also funny story. That's how Dan and I actually met was Dan runs a great rescue, save a bully. Yep. And he rescues all sorts of bulldogs. Yep. And one of those bulldogs was our French bulldog, Winnie. And we got in contact and we were lucky enough to get her. And here we are chatting now. So Dan, welcome to California underground. The first live ever episode. As it Great to be here. I've been wanting to do this for a while. So yeah, no, we put it together. We've been talking about it and it's, it's different doing it live. Yeah. I can tell you that it's a little stressful to be honest. It's stressful for, for me. Like we do our Dan rants and I like, if I say something stupid, Bobby can edit it out. So I'm like, no, this That's is true. not yeah. editable. So here we go. This is different for us because I feel like with Zoom, it's always like you're trying not to step on someone's foot. Yep. You know, it's like somebody says something and he goes, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But this is definitely more conducive of a conversation. Yeah. So I guess we'll start off by if you want to introduce yourself and then we'll go into like, what got you into talking about a lot of these topics? What kind of changed you? Because I think your story is a lot of people I think can relate to your story as to what happened to you and why all of a sudden you said, I'm going to start paying attention to stuff. I may have not paid attention to this before. Yeah. And truthfully, I mean, that's exactly right. Is I would keep my head down pretty low when it came to anything political, just because I run a large law firm. I'm out in front and center. I don't want to piss anyone off either way. So it was easier for me to just remain neutral, remain quiet and just kind of keep to myself. And that's how I rolled for a very, very long time. And then pandemic happened and COVID hit and the world changed immediately. And I started to see things that just were very, very upsetting. And that would rub my intuition the wrong way where I'm like, this, this is something very wrong with what's going on right now. And even through the beginning of that, I maintained my neutrality and just kind of move forward. But then when they started to do lockdowns and they started to prosecute gym owners and they started to give gym owners misdemeanors for keeping their gyms open and they were literally showing up and writing misdemeanors to these people that are just trying to survive and just trying to keep their, their dream alive. Mm -hmm. That's where I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. And one of my good friends owns a very large gym downtown and he was given four misdemeanors for keeping his gym open. And I lost my shit. Like, and I was just like, I'm done with this. And I just started being very, very vocal about where I see this going, the problems that I see with this current situation and 
the consequences on a long term if people don't wake up to what's going on in our world, our government, and our society. And since then, I've realized that we all have a obligation or duty to be talking about these things and sharing these things and questioning these things. Because if we don't, I worry about the world that we're going to wake up in five, 10 years from now. How many of those uh, cases did you do or help out? With? We took every single gym owner that got a criminal citation and we took them all for free. And mm -hmm. we just said that this is going to be something that we're going to do for the community. None of them were prosecuted, of course. They didn't actually move forward with any of them. It was all just threats. It was all just empty, normal BS. So no one actually had to, you know, move forward with the prosecution. Thank God. But, you know, it was an interesting time. We also filed a suit in federal court. My office did to basically push back on the restrictions on the lockdowns on gyms because, there was no science backing any of it up. I mean, it just was all, mm -hmm. you know, throw something at the wall and see if it sticks. And so we moved forward with the federal lawsuit as well. When did you file that? We filed that in 2021. Okay. Yep. Is this still ongoing? No. So federal judge basically kicked it just like they've kicked out most of them. Mm -hmm. Funny, that same judge has now come with some scrutiny with some things that she's done incorrectly with, you know, having investments in certain companies that she shouldn't have had investments in that were tied to these kind of things, which is interesting, but yeah. There's only a couple federal judges here in the Southern District, so I'm trying to think of who it is. And I, it's probably the same one I ran into when I did the mass lawsuit back in 2020. I think it actually is. Yeah, so, and knowing her, she was always on the side of the state and she was always 100%. on the side of like, um, taking away your liberty and she was like, look, this is a pandemic, so we're just going to do whatever the state tells us. It's a, it's a national emergency. We've never seen anything like this before. We're not going to question anything. Do you see like a lot of that, uh, I guess like the aftermath of that? Because I thought personally that we were kind of over this. I thought we were like done with this. And then like San Diego Unified just recently put the mask mandate back in for the children. So I saw groups like Let Them Breathe and yep. that. And I thought, man, they're, you know, they did a good fight. They're going to start to like slow down because there's not going to be any cases. But here we are in 2022, we're still fighting and talking about masks on children in schools. Which is insane considering that now we know enough to know that a lot of this stuff just doesn't make sense, right? Like mm -hmm. early on, I understand erring on the side of caution. Three years into it, I don't. Like we know cloth masks don't do anything. So most people are in masks that are made like your shirt. You can see through them. Mm -hmm. It's a joke. It's like peeing through a chain link fence. <laughs> I don't understand how anyone with a brain thinks that it makes any sense. If we were mandating N95s to be worn properly, maybe then I could understand some sort of logic, but most people don't even know how to wear an N95 properly. And we don't have enough N95 masks for people to wear. So what are we doing? We're sick. We're, we're, we're basically just doing something to do something, but it makes no sense. But we're not looking at the harm that that thing causes. Yeah. If wearing masks cause no harm, whatever. But look at the kids. Look at the speech impediments. Look at the learning disabilities. Look at all these things that are coming as a result of forcing these kids to wear masks. What are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? It's just crazy. And uh, so you, you got into a lot of the pandemic sort of, I don't want to it's such a cringy word to say like oh, it woke you up like you woke up 
all of a sudden, but it got you to start paying attention to a lot of these issues. Did it start sending you down the rabbit hole of other issues as well? And I know you do these, these Dan rants and you always yeah. have comments on a lot of things. It, it went far beyond the pandemic after that. So I had time. Um, when I was home, I just started reading books and I started just digging into history and it, it opened my eyes on everything in the world. Like just how the world works. I was reading books on World War One, World War Two, how they were financed, how elite groups were making money off both sides, how uh, George Bush Sr.'s father, Prescott Bush, was funding Hitler and helping set up the Nazi party, how all the Nazi military tanks were running off Ford Motors, Standard Oil, and how these big tycoons were basically forcing these wars to happen to create power and money for themselves. And people just don't realize that that's how wars are. They, they think that they're countries fighting against each other when really, in my opinion, from my understanding now, it's elite groups and banking groups that are kind of using countries, using leaders and forcing these friction events across the world for power shifts and for money shifts for themselves. And that's the way that I see the world now. But digging into this, the pandemic allowed me to have time to do it and it allowed me to have time to read. And that's what I started doing, just reading everything I could get my hands on. So what are some of those books if people want to? Family of Secrets okay. is a book. So everyone thinks I'm Republican. I think both parties are shit. That's my opinion. Like, I think that there's good sides on both. I think there's things I agree with on both, but I think both parties are broken. I think the two party system is broken. I disagree with it entirely. I started by realizing how much I dislike the Bush family and how much that the Bush clan, if you will, did so many horrible, horrific things in this country for so long. So that's where I started digging into and then realizing how those same people are connected to people on the other side of the aisle, how during the Iran Contra, right? When we were running drugs through this country to fund wars, right? Where were they running through? Arkansas. Bill Clinton mm -hmm. under his nose, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, you start to realize all the ties of all of these groups and how they all work together. And you realize the party thing is just there to divide us all. It's mm -hmm. just there to distract us all. That's all it is. So once I realized that, then I could start digging in even more and peeling back the onion, family of secrets, um, Pentagon brain, um, a ton of books on the OSS, like when they created the CIA and at the end of the civil, the end of World War II, how we brought a bunch of the Nazi scientists over here and how all of that kind of transpired and how NASA was created, Werner von Braun, those kind of things. It just made me realize how this government really works and that the ABCs, the CIAs, the FBIs are really the entities that are run by these elite, powerful banking groups and elite powerful players. And that's the, the deep state, if you will, that's the shadow government, that's the controlling arm. Mm -hmm. And that's what I started digging into. If you like those types of books, um, a book that I highly recommend when it regards to history is check out Murray Rothbard, the progressive era. Okay. Um, it's really interesting how it talks about how everyone thinks these, a lot of these progressive policies that were passed in like the turn of the century. That they were, see, this is the thing about doing it live. Sometimes you just get these bits right here. Um, so in, the, in this book, he talks about how 
corporations or the government was pretending like they were going to pass all these uh, progressive ideals, when in reality, a lot of them were pushed by the big corporations yeah. because it gave them more of a stranglehold and a monopoly. Of course. So like the railroads got a bigger monopoly. The oil industry's got a bigger monopoly. The textile industry's got a bigger monopoly. Like it was all in the, the name of, oh, we're doing this because we're progressive. And I could go down a whole rabbit hole. I've talked about this before. I think people on the left have taken the word progressive and, and absolutely destroy it because yeah. If we can get into California here, everything they say that's progressive here in California, I feel like we're going backwards instead yeah. of forwards. But definitely check out um, that book if you like looking at history through a different lens and seeing how the players play out. And it, it is when you start to read stuff like that, you do realize everything's connected. Like this yeah. stuff doesn't happen in a vacuum. No. You know, what FDR does in a it wasn't happening in a vacuum. Woodrow Wilson didn't do what he did in a vacuum. Um, they all had some sort of goal or somebody was pushing them behind the scenes yeah. to do these things. Everyone pretends like one president is going to miraculously change things yeah. when there's already a cabal of people, powerful people, really powerful people behind these presidents telling you, no, you're going to do this, even if you are the most. If you're allowed to be the president of the United States, and I say it like that specifically and intentionally, if you're allowed to be the president of the United States, I'm a personal believer that there's a thumb on you and there's a controlling arm on you. Like you're, you're a puppet, if you will, you're not the real person that's in control. And yeah. that's just my belief system from what I've seen. And I think if you look at presidents that have stepped outside of that or tried to mm -hmm. look at JFK, he's one of the only guys that actually like stood up and said, Hey, I'm not okay with this banking system. I'm not okay with this stuff. And they took him out. Because that's what happens if you push back. And if you want to know how I really look at it, and this is a little crazy, but I think we had the same power group running this country from when Reagan was in office through Obama. And I think it was the same type of elite groups. And I think Trump snuck by. Mm. I don't think Trump, I think Trump was an anomaly in that sense. And I'm not a huge Trump fan. I think Trump has his own issues as well, but I think that that's why you're seeing all this January 6th committee and all this stuff, because they're like, we're not going to let that anomaly happen again. Yeah. This is a controlled game. You don't play this game. You're not a part of this game. We control this game. And they did not like that four years when they didn't have that control. Well, not only it's, we didn't like that. We're going to punish you and we're going to make an example of you so that anybody else who has this idea of, oh, you know, anybody can rise yeah. up and become president. Yeah. Um, we're just going to tell you, nope, don't even try it. Yeah. One of my favorite, my actually my favorite president, Teddy Roosevelt, was a president who snuck by. Mm -hmm. And you look at his sort of rise to popularity and how he got through the ranks. And he was a reformer and people hated him. And they said, uh, this guy's like ruining what we got going. We got yep. this good thing going. He's trying to get rid of corruption. He's trying to clean up stuff. So they figured we're going to put him in the vice president role. Yep. That and that's it. His political career would die. Yep. And that was the powers that be. Yep. And of course, McKinley was assassinated, and Teddy Roosevelt became president. The rest is history. But I agree with you. I think there is a certain amount of people who are like, "You're going to be president." Hillary was ordained to be president. Hundred percent. And we were all just accepting Hillary's going to be the next president. It almost seemed like it was a preordained coronation yep. of 
Hillary Clinton being president, it was going to be the next four years, the third term of Obama, which we're now seeing with, I think, with Biden, we're seeing more of the third term of, 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 of Biden. Yeah. Of Biden. Um, but yeah, Trump was the anomaly. He was. He and slipped by. He slipped by and they're trying to make it so he can never run again. They do not want him to run again in 2024, just in case he slips by again. That's why this whole January 6th facade is so funny to me, because it's like you have CNN. It's the only thing that they show is January 6th, January 6th. But you watch these hearings mm -hmm. and it's comical. Like it is truly comical to watch these hearings. They had a lady that was not in the vehicle testify that this 70 something old man tried to grab a steering wheel to take the vehicle to the Capitol. You know, the training in that vehicle with this old man, yeah. like that dude ain't grabbing no steering wheel. And then they interview everyone in the vehicle with them and they're like, that's not what happened. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not on the news anywhere. You no. know what I mean? The and retractions never. Except, except one American news. Yeah. Exactly. Like, but it's mind blowing to me. Like, it's mind blowing yeah. to me. Subtle people... plug for Cynthia's job. Right. I like it. Yeah. I like it. You don't need to be subtle. Yeah. yeah. American news. Um, Dan's the king of marketing. Yeah. He, he, he likes throw it out there. Yeah. 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 Throw it out there. Exactly. But yeah, it just it's funny to me. And the other thing that I find very suspicious about that whole event is one: why can't we see all the videos? Just show me the videos. I just want to see, like, just show me the videos. And two, why three cops kill themselves right afterwards? Like, yeah. please explain that to me. Like, police officers don't just go and off themselves like that afterwards. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't like the way that it feels. It rubs my intuition the wrong way. The way that I see January 6th, they set a bear trap for stupid people. Yeah. That's yeah. what I think they did. Yeah. I think they said, hey, we're going to set this trap. We're going to let a lot of, you know, probably extreme white ring, stupid people walk into the trap and they were stupid enough to walk into it. Yep. And now they're using it as an example to basically be able to go, Hey, Trump, you're never going to run again. We're going to try to crush the Republican party with this. And it's a facade hearing. That's the way that I see it. Not only that, it's political persecutions. Anyone that supports the Republicans or is a Republican, like it's the chilling effect. Basically, it's a, they're making you feel ashamed if you feel some type of way about anything or you feel supportive about those ideals. It's, it's a political witch hunt. Of course. Yeah. There was grandparents walking through the Capitol, FaceTiming people and TikToking. Is it like, let's call it what it is. It's yeah. stupid people in a place that they shouldn't be, but it wasn't what they're making it out to be. And that's yeah. what bothers me. Yeah. They're certainly not. Yeah, it wasn't as violent as they're making it out to be compared to everything else we saw in 2020. The no. summer of love. The you don't have to like everything that happened that day, but to say it was like the darkest day since 9-11 or Pearl Harbor. That's Those are the things, though, that make me suspicious of the whole thing. Yeah. Right? Like if you're going to come out and make those kind of comments and you're going to repeatedly try to brainwash people that it's worse than 9-11 and repeatedly like why? Yeah. Why? Always ask why. What's the motive? What's the motivation? We all know that that doesn't make sense. It's not true. It's not even close to true. So why? What do you? What's your agenda? What are you trying to push? That's what I always challenge people to ask. Is like start asking why. Like don't stop believing what they tell you. If you really think the government is telling you the truth, you're a fool. Like either party. Like that's just not the way that the world works. If you really think the government is there to protect you, you're a fool. If you really think the government cares about you, you're a fool. That's not the way that it works. Yeah. Like that's why our country was set up the way that our country was for the people. 
We're in charge, not the government. The government answers to us. Why? Because we realize what happens when you let the government have control. Like we already lived through all of this. That's the whole purpose of the United States of America is when you let the government run shit, they're going to be corrupt and they're going to do really, really shady things. So you let the people have control over the government. And we've gone away from that. Do you think, um, I, I like to be a little bit more optimistic after the pandemic in 2020. I like to be at least optimistic that I think they overplayed their hand. Big time. And I think there are probably millions of people like you mm -hmm. um, who, who woke up, who woke up, quote unquote, quote unquote, woke up, everyone woke up. Um, and it's the great awakening. As they used to say, that was the big QAnon thing, the great awakening, um, <laughs> all the message boards. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was a lot more people, I think, got into this stuff and sort of because when I started this podcast, no one cared about what bill was going through the California legislature. I no mean, one even knew what the California legislature no is, man. Like, was, no or your senator, or the supervisor, your school no, board member. No one knew. No who. one knew what the city council was or where they meet. No. No, no one cared how many who county Fletcher was, or no. Raina Fletcher, or like no. Richard Pan. Like nobody cared about these people. Yeah. And you're trying to tell people like, hey, this bill's going through the California legislature, and they're like, yeah, whatever, who cares. Like I got, you know, a soccer match to get to or something. Yeah. My kids' soccer games. Now it's like I see so many more parents, especially moms, like badass moms who are yeah. out there who are sharing, they're organizing. Yeah. And it's it's amazing to see how much more they're interested. And they're following. And they like they send me stuff. Yeah. And I get these DMs that are like, Oh, did you know this bill is making its way through? You should share it with everyone. I'm like, I, I didn't, but yeah, yeah, I'll share it with you. So yeah. do you think that a lot more people on the bright side kind of woke up to Big this time. and are, are now more engaged and they overplayed their hand. Big time. And a lot of that was because of how much time people had. Like me, I started reading, right? There's no sports on. Like a lot of these things in our society that we have sports, entertainment, those are distraction pieces, right? Because you distract the masses, you divide the masses, you can do whatever you want, right? That's just how I see the world. So when you eliminated all of that and mm -hmm. people had time to just kind of go, hmm, this doesn't add up. Yeah. Maybe I should start digging into this. I think that woke a lot of people up. I think that just the, the drastic shift in the world had people asking questions. But the thing about whether you want to call it waking up, whether you want to call it like realizing that the way the world works, the once you awakening. yeah, the great awakening, <laughs> once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah. Right. Like once you go, oh, shit, that's how it works. Yeah. You can't go back. There's no backtrack. There's no like, oh, I'd like to just put my blinders on and go back to being ignorant and not thinking that this is how the world works. It's not possible. Yeah. You're there. And so for me, I feel an obligation and I annoy the crap out of a lot of people, I'm sure, of trying to help other people see it. And I have some of the smartest friends in the world that are like, none of this could, it's, it, there's too much like sophistication. There's no way there could be this type of coordination. Like, People would know, like, there's no way they could co coordinate the way that you're saying they do it. And I'm like, do you know about the Bilderberg Group? Do you know about the Trilateral Commission? Do you know about Davos and the World Economic Forum? Do you know about these billionaire summits that they meet at multiple times a year? You don't know about any of these things. So how are you going to make an educated statement to me that you couldn't have this type of coordination? Because these people are meeting on a regular basis and discussing things 
about our world and where our world's going. And they're the most powerful people on earth. So you don't think there's coordination? It just doesn't make sense to me. Once you start to realize what's going on, it makes a lot of sense. So when you went through the Great Awakening and you woke up, <laughs> As a as a business owner and like yeah. a lawyer and whatnot, you mentioned earlier in the podcast that like you kind of, you know, you put your nose down and yep. you're just, you know, neutral. Yep. And I understand like when you're in a position like that, like you have clients from different backgrounds, it's yep. dicey territory. So that being said, when you woke up, did you like, how was, did you get backlash? Like, how was your experience? Yeah, left and right. And my law partner was very insecure about it at first. And he's like, hey, like you got to be quiet. And I'm like, I'm not going to post anything on business pages. This is all me. Right. But you guys just have to let me own what I'm going to own right now. And I'm going to speak freely and say what I think. And it's funny. Yeah, there was a lot of backlash. Still is. I still get a bunch of bullshit for people. Yeah. But I treat everyone with respect and love and there's no hate involved. And I'm happy to have a conversation. And I think if you approach things in that way, it's very helpful to eliminate a lot of that hate and a lot of that friction. Um I also just realized that there's points in life where if you don't do something, you're going to regret it. And it was just not worth it for me to regret it. But the funny thing is, is I've gotten so much more support from people that see it the way that I see it or have started to come around to realizing some of these things. So I have so many police officers that follow me now and so many firefighters that follow me now and just amazing good people that care about this country and I've gotten way more business than I ever would have before off Instagram and social media after speaking honestly about what I think. So I, I tell people, I'm like, just own who you are, own your opinions, own what, you know, own what you think and do it with love and respect and let the cards fall what they may. Yeah. I think if you, you know, I, I don't own as big of a law firm or as nice as a law firm as this. Um, but I, th I feel like once you find that niche and you speak up and you're yourself, there's never a shortage of people out there who will support you. No, you're not going to cast a wide enough net to get every single person out there in the world. Yeah. But you can cast a pretty big net and get a good amount of people yeah. because they believe in what you're saying and they support what you're saying and they'll send people to you and be like, Hey, you got to check out it or I trust this guy or yeah. like what he has to say. I agree with him because that's like 99% of sales. It's like they kind of, they got to like you and trust you. And if they like you and trust you, they're going to send business your way. And a lot of it is opinion based, right? Like a lot of this is just everyone's individual opinion. So I'm giving my opinion, my intuition, the way that I feel that things are going down. Yeah. I can give you books to read and I can give you my supports, but a lot of this stuff you have to like, look into it yourself and then decide what you believe. And so I can sit down with Nora Vargas and have a conversation about just about anything and we can disagree, but I'm still going to give my opinion. Like I sat down with the chief of police this week, same thing. Like we probably have very different views, but as long as you go about it the right way, I think that people will respect it. So how was that meeting with Nora Vargas? Cause she's actually my supervisor. So I really like Nora. Nora and I disagree on most things politically, like a lot of things politically, but I really like her because she cares. And I met Nora because when all these gyms were being prosecuted, she reached out to us and she's like, Hey, I want to just sit down and see like what your guys' thoughts are. And when I sat down with her and I, I told her that they're getting misdemeanors, she was like, no, they're not. And I'm like, yeah, they're getting misdemeanors, Nora. She's like, that's not supposed to be happening. 
And I think she made a call to the sheriff and stopped them from moving forward with these misdemeanor prosecutions and stopped them from giving more misdemeanors because it stopped immediately. So I gave Nora a lot of credit for that because she put her she put her head out there, I think. And she hasn't said that she did it, but it was after that meeting that they stopped doing that. So I really appreciated that. And then recently I talk a lot of shit on the homeless situation downtown because it's absolutely absurd if you go downtown it's unlike it's ever been in San Diego. I've been here for 20 years in the last three years. It's so disgusting downtown. There's tents everywhere, not just like in certain areas. There's tents everywhere. It is a, if you want to talk about state of emergency, it's not monkey pox. It's not COVID it's homelessness downtown. That's a state of emergency. <laughs> and Nora reached out and Nora was like, Hey, I want to talk to you about homelessness. I want to know what you think I should do. I want to know what you think the move is because now it's on me. That's my district now. They redistrict everything. That's her district now. So we sat down and just talked about homelessness and talked about what needs to be done. And in my opinion, this state is all carrot. It's just like, here's a carrot. Here's a carrot. Here's a carrot. What do you think is going to happen? You're going to have your streets overrun like this. You're going to have like a state of emergency. There has to be a stick. That's just the way that the world works. I know people don't always want to hear that, but the carrot has to have a stick and you cannot just allow people to do whatever they want and camp wherever they want and live wherever they want and create utter havoc for business owners, for residents, health, like the, the health issues that you're seeing. And that is not a humane thing to just say, oh, we're helping these people. We're helping them by doing nothing. Yeah. We're helping them by watching them OD, watching them spread illness. What, that, that's not helping anyone. Like, it's just embarrassing to me. So I sat down and I gave Nora my view and I told her she needs to declare a state of emergency. Like, that's what I would do. San Diego County state of emergency. Yeah. I also told her what I would do is I would appoint like a homeless czar. Like, hey, this is your job. Why? Because the right arm doesn't know what the, the, the left hand's doing. It's insane. The county doesn't work with the city on homeless. The nonprofits don't work with any, like, it's just everyone just doing everything for themselves. And there's no coordination in any way, shape or form. There's no plan. Ask them what their plan is. They don't have a plan. It's not, they're spending millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars and doing nothing. So appoint someone that is going to be that central focus piece that can bring everything together. That's what I told her. And we'll see what she does with it. She also said, she's like, my biggest eye-opening thing of the last year is how slow government moves. It's really frustrating to me that I see things that could be done and I can't do anything to change it because it's going to be two-year rollout. And where are we at then? We're in a completely different world than we are now. So it was a good conversation. I hope she does something. I think a lot of it's the laws that we've changed in this state. These petty theft law changes these catch and release changes with criminal laws, like you were watching the consequences of it. Mm -hmm. Like that's what we're living through. We're living through the consequences of watching bad laws be passed. And we're living through the consequences of disrespecting police and defund the police and all of these movements that went on. And now we're all going to have to deal with the unsafe consequences of it. So obviously you support Senator Scott Wiener's law to have open air drug zones. Oh yeah. I think everyone should just do drugs everywhere. Cause why not? Cause that makes sense. Right? Like go to Seattle and Oregon. Tell me how that's working. Right? Like tell me like it, you don't even argue, just go do your own 
logical research and you can't argue the point. Starbucks is literally moving locations from some of the best real estate that they have because it's unsafe for their employees to be there. Notice the cities that all of these locations are in. They're all in defund the police cities. That is not just a coincidence. That's because it's a stupid policy move. And anyone thinks that you're going to have a safer city by defunding the police doesn't have a brain. It doesn't work that way. You need law and order. You need police presence. You need to respect your police or you're going to live in an unsafe society. I shouldn't have to feel like I need to carry a gun on me. I went and got a CCW. Why? Because I don't feel safe when I go downtown. I shouldn't have to feel like that in my own city. That's embarrassing. Yeah. I shouldn't have to feel, well, I just got my CCW too. I feel like I shouldn't have to worry about carrying, just taking Winnie for a walk. Exactly. Yeah. In Pacific Beach. But there is, it, we've seen a lot more homeless. We've seen a lot more, which is even more scary, is the people living in vans and tricked out commercial vans and stuff like that. And it's like, you'll wake up and it's like, Oh, we got four or five new neighbors. Yep. Cause you'll look at it. And it's just unmarked white vans yep. lined up. They're like, these are not normal vans. Yep. And you'll see someone stumble out of it. And it's just like, this is not safe. And you have no idea who's stumbling out of that van. No. Um, Mrs. Underground actually, who is off camera right now, but she's here likes to tell people that you now feel more safe in Mexico than oh, yeah. in places like Seattle and Portland and San Francisco, like which a lot of people would think feel safer in like TJ than yeah, but that's how bad it's gotten. The weekend of July 22nd, July 23rd, those two days, we had five shootings in San Diego. No. Five. That, like, that's not San Diego. Last week we had a, a young lady whose neighbors called the cops, six neighbors called the cops as her stalker broke into her apartment and the neighbors are calling the cops saying, hey, this guy's gonna kill her. And the cops don't even enter the premise. They show up three hours later, they don't even enter the premise and they find her dead in her apartment the next day. Like that's not the city that I want to live in. Like that's not okay. You shouldn't have to wait an hour and a half on a DV call to have a cop respond because we're 240 officers down because our city has a stupid vaccine mandate in place. So we're losing and hemorrhaging officers. You know how ridiculous that is? And to sit and ask the chief of police, hey, what do you think about the vaccine mandate? And have him go, I think it's ridiculous and I've made it publicly known that it's ridiculous and I would hire them all back if I could. Well, then whose problem is it? Todd and city council. Like that's who it falls on. Like it's leadership. It's a lack of leadership. And I say this, Todd was my neighbor. Like I had a lot of respect for Todd two and a half years ago, but what I've seen in the last two and a half years, I have zero respect for because it's turning a blind eye to major issues in the city. And it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing leadership. He literally moved off of this street because there were protests in front of his house and he got more police presence for him, more police patrol for him, and he's moving to a gated community. Well, guess what, Todd? Not everyone can do that. Not everyone can just up and move to a gated community because we're going to disrespect police because we're not going to do anything about all these homeless people and all these problems. That's the part of the political game that I just hate. It's just so hypocritical. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, Todd Gloria, one of his most recent statements which is just sort of a fabrication is where he goes and they said, well, how many people left because of the, how many police left because of the vaccination policy? He goes, well, 
you know, a lot of them, we don't, it's not a lot, but, you know, there were a lot who retired or relocated. Yeah. And that's to, like, to where? To where? To the sheriff, and to Chula Vista. Why? Yeah. Why did they, yeah. why did all of a sudden, was there a spike in retirements and relocation in yeah. the San Diego Police Department? Is it because they just all of a sudden, all of them said, we're really tired after 2020? Uh, no. no, I don't think so. So. And I think, again, going back to the masks thing, I think we now have enough empirical data to all go, well, that's a stupid policy because even if you get vaccinated, you can still get COVID, you can still transmit COVID. So what are we doing? Who are we helping? We're only hurting ourselves. That's the part where you have to start to look at these things and go, why? Why are we still doing things that are hurting us, even though we know that they're hurting us? Yeah. And that's where I get suspicious about why all this is happening, where it's going, what it's all for. And I do think that there's a lot of power control. I think there's a lot of stripping of rights that are slowly being degraded because you can't just go in and take them all at once. You have to slowly take them and slowly pull them back or people are going to freak out. Mm. I think that's a lot of it. And I think that if you're not looking at things like the World Economic Forum and things that a lot of these global entities are talking about and where they're pushing us, you're missing where we're going. Because these entities have been guiding this path the whole time. And if you watch them, they'll tell you where we're going and what's coming. And those are the things that worry me. And just yesterday I was talking about, uh, on the live, I was talking about how you can see a lot of these policies and relate it to California, especially in places like Sri Lanka and Holland and how a lot of these green policies. And I've always said I'm for green. I think there's always a good argument to protect the environment. I agree. You don't want to trash it. I, hey, I grew up watching Captain Planet. I, agree. Know, I, I don't want the radioactive sludge all over the world. But I think they've gotten to a point now where they're just so obsessed with green policies that they forego the actual results or what's going to happen. And it's like they're just, they're just so obsessed with the green policies that they say, oh, well, you know, all trucks in Port of Long Beach have to be electric by 2035. Yeah. How's that going to happen? Yeah. We can't get trucks that are electric. Yeah. We don't have a grid that's going to support electric. Yeah. Let alone thousands and thousands of semi trucks you want to charge. Electric doesn't just pop out of the air. It has to come from either fossil fuels that make it, which they don't yep. want to burn, or nuclear, which they don't want to bring back. Yep. So a lot of these green policies, they're just fine with like, well, if your state or your country goes into bankruptcy and 500,000 people go into abject poverty. Well, then that's the cost of going green. Yeah. Is it really the cost of going green or is there another ulterior motive of why you want 500,000 people to go into abject poverty? A thousand percent. And one of the things that makes me feel like there is an ulterior motive and the, the comment that I make to anyone that wants to talk to me about climate change is before I'm going to talk to you about climate change, please tell me that you know climate modification because this country and our government have been doing climate modification for the last 30, 40 years. And there's been climate modification experiments, you know, things that have been going on for 40 years. So it's not just a natural evolution. There's also been things that we have been doing on a man-made basis intentionally to modify the climate. Yeah. And no one knows that. No one even talks about that. So until this is 
just my opinion, until Leonardo DiCaprio stops taking his private jets to the climate summits, mm-hmm. stop talking to me about why every person needs to be an electric vehicle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just hypocritical. I, now, until everybody stops, sorry, until everybody stops buying beachfront property. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you. Bill Gates has like five jets, five private jets that he'll fly. Like, you're doing more damage than, you know, most people are on the things that you're lecturing people on. Like, you're saying that people need to stop eating meat, but you're flying around everywhere in your private jets emitting to the world. Like, it's just, it's crazy to me. Yeah, I don't think anyone is denying that, like, the planet or the climate changes, that's just life. I think it's more of, like, the fear-mongering. Like, they make it seem like, oh, but if you don't do this, the world's going to end in five years. Like, you're you're going to see climate lockdowns. Calling it right now. Yeah. You're going to see climate lockdowns. They're going to start using the climate to try to do the same shit they did in COVID. That's what I'm calling. Did you see that they already called a state of emergency for monkeypox in San Francisco? Yeah, because five people in this whole world have died from it. That makes a lot of sense. Let's focus on monkeypox and not fentanyl. Like, it's so ridiculous. But that, that's what I mean. You start to start to ask why, right? And a lot of this stuff is to scare people. It's a lot of it. Why? Because when people are scared, they're easier to control. That's just the reality. And so, like, it, I just, I tell people, just start asking why. Start at, like, why is there a natural state of emergency for monkeypox when five people in the world have died from it? Mm-hmm. Five. It doesn't make sense. I had a thought, and then it just escaped me. Oh, climate lockdown and climate state of emergency. I I think they'll try again with the climate and they'll say that they'll try and push, Oh, we got to do X, Y, and Z for the climate. But I think because it's not something as mysterious as COVID where people thought like if they went outside, like COVID was just floating in the air and they would catch it somehow, or they're driving in their car and they catch it somehow. That always cracks me up is the people by themselves thinking they're going to catch COVID. But I think with climate, it's going to be tougher to get people to completely adapt because COVID started off easy. COVID was like the whole country got two weeks off for like a snow day. Yeah. Like, okay, everyone stay home, stay in your jammies, watch Netflix, order junk food. Like, let's have a good time. It's like one big sleepover. Yep. We're all just going to stay home. And then people got comfortable. They got comfortable working from home. They got comfortable like, Oh, I don't have to drive to work anymore. This is great. They can still have their luxuries. They can still stream stuff. But it's going to be a lot harder when the climate emergency comes along and says, well, guess what? You're rationed only eight ounces of beef this week. Why? Because too much beef consumption is bad for the environment. You can only drive this many miles this week. And, I mean, they tried to do that here in San Diego. They tried to do a per-mile tax, which they say has to be for infrastructure, more public transit, which – Two or three percent. We had Richard Bailey on the podcast, and he said like two or three percent of the entire county, four million people use MTS and public transportation. But we have to put, you know, how many tens of billions of dollars into it. So I think the climate, they'll try to do it. I think they tried to see like what happened with COVID. Was that the test run? But I think with the climate, and again, it comes back to how many people part of the Great Awakening and are going to look at that and go bullshit. Yeah, they're going to say exactly that. They're going to say, nah, I'm not listening to it anymore. I just wonder, right now we say that it sounds crazy that they could do that and people would comply. But if you would have said 
five years ago mm. to you what happened in 2020 to 20, you would have yeah, been like, no way, right? Yeah. It's conditioning. Yeah. That's what I worry about is the human, <laughs> the human element can be conditioned and can be brainwashed and we can be programmed. And if you don't think that these entities, these governments are knowing those things and investing a lot of money into awareness of those things and to be able to use those tools for their benefit, I think that you're joking yourself. Like, I think that they understand exactly how far they can push. And I think a lot of this was a test. Well, how fast did it, you see just people starting to ramp up? Not like main, you know, January 6th was, is always the headline story, but even just the, the Chiron that says, oh, COVID cases are on the rise again. So, you know, we might be heading backwards. And how many people just implicitly yeah. out in public, you notice, and I always try to keep an eye on this, you notice if the news starts to say, oh, there's more COVID cases on the rise, you'll start to see more and more people put the mask back 100%. And you say those people, the, those are the people who are conditioned. Yeah. They're ready, whatever the state tells them to do, uh, you know, I'm gonna be a good little obedient statist and I'm gonna follow exactly what they tell me to do because yeah. the state knows all and they can never be they can never be wrong. The state is only here to protect you. Hundred percent. So I, it'll be interesting. And I think if they try and push it again, like the same sort of thing they do with COVID with on climate, I think they'll they'll get a lot of pushback. But then again, they may have seen how unsuccessful COVID was and how much it backfired, and say, look, we've got a narrow window. We might as well ram this through as fast as possible and see if it works. But what scares me is the generation that's that comes after us like the mm -hmm. let's say 25 25 year olds and, and younger like 25 18 to 25 most of them i talk to they just believe the government they just believe the state they just it's like it's crazy and i think a lot of that's conditioning a lot of that's been the education system a lot of that's intentional and that's what i mean like if you don't think these powerful entities are intentionally using these tools and intentionally putting them into the school system so they can control population bases. I think you're joking yourselves. I think that that happens. Yeah. And so that's what I worry about is that coming generation just being so blind to all of it yeah. because I talk to these younger kids and they just don't see it. Like they just, they don't even, they don't even have the thought process to question it. They just buy it, believe it and keep moving forward. Well, a lot of it's culture as well, unfortunately. Yeah. And it, it is, when you start to look at it through a different lens, you do start to see why is everything in culture pushed towards, well, right now, because they have their guy in office, that the state is just wonderful. Yep. And the state's trying to do these nice things for you. The state's trying to cut your taxes, or I saw someone on Reddit say something about, oh, we had great news today. They came to a deal on healthcare and taxes and climate change like it sounded like this big wonderful yeah. bill that like that's it congress and the senate have yep. they fixed everything guys go home that's it government's yep. all done and i just look at this person and go do you really think that they fixed everything yeah. do you really think they are going to fix everything yeah. and you think everything they do is infallible yeah. but no that's conditioning and that's culture you watch stephen colbert 90 percent of his monologue is how fantastic this state is or he did a song and dance with COVID vaccine with syringes. Vaccine. Like as soon as you watch that, if you don't think that you're watching propaganda TV, I again go like, what's going through your head? Like yeah. it's yeah. being shoved down your throat. If you can't feel the propaganda 
I don't know how to help you. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing funnier than, than watching a lot of uh, younger people. And I sound so old saying younger people um, <laughs> who are like, oh, resist. And I'm such a rebel. And it's like, no, you're not. Like, no. You're not questioning anything. You're not. Um, you're, you're not asking why you're completely agreeing with the government yeah. on literally everything. You're not pushing back on mainstream culture. Um, you know, it, it's funny. And a lot of these artists who are just complete status where they're like, just listen to the government and they're fantastic and vote for this person. It's, it's great. And it's like, when did ever all these people just sell out to the government and what they're trying to push? And that's the part that I had such a hard time with through that. Like, it's just like, how is a country that's based on power in the people, the people run the government, you're elected by us, you work for us. How did we get away from going, we need to check them. Yeah. We, that's our job to ask why. Even if we, if even it's something that we agree with, we should still be asking why. We should still be digging into it. And it shouldn't just be a surface level dig. We should be digging into it. When did we get away from that? Like most of the big bills that are passed, People that are passing them don't even read them. No. Because no. they're too they're, they're too big to even read. Yeah. And so they're just jammed full of bullshit that no one even knows what's in there. And then we deal with the consequences of them. Yeah. Like, how did we get so far away from a representative government? That's what's scary to me. Yeah. And it's usually the staffers too, or like a lobbyist, and they pretty much like are the ones that are reading, and then they just kind of cue in the lawmaker and just give like the little talking points. Of course. Yeah. Of course. But then you look at like things like the Patriot Act and, you know, everyone thought it was such a good thing at the time. Yeah. And now I'm like, no, it, it's basically just used to spy on all of us and to control us as a population base. And that's what the other thing I think that the where they were going with the January 6th thing was they wanted to put push a domestic terror act. Right. Yeah. Like that was the big move that I saw was a domestic terror act, which basically was going to be an extension of the Patriot Act and allow them more ability to be able to infringe on our rights. And that's where I think that people don't dig deep enough. They just look at the surface level and they don't see that kind of stuff. I think it's a lot of apathy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's a lot of people just don't realize they're like, how did we get here? Well, there's been a lot of people ringing the alarm bell for many years and yeah. you know, 2020 happened and people kind of, came to the realization, I, I hate saying it, we're just keep saying waking up. I just, we're being a bunch of conservatives. Uh, I'm being a conservative, I keep saying they woke up. <laughs> um, but they came to the realization, they kind of like started looking around and going, wait a second, how did all this? And I'm like, and people ask that, how do we get here? And then they're like, their first reaction is, well, it's time for a revolution. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. We're not at revolution no. yet. We're not at revolution. We're not at pitchforks and torches <laughs> yet. But like, let's start with the most basic. Read the bills that are being passed. Yep. Keep up on politics. Keep on what your representative is doing. Yep. And show up and vote. Yep. I know a lot of people are gonna, you know, there's always people who push back on me. Oh, you're you're such a rhino for thinking that voting actually matters anymore or anything like that. I'm like, look, you gotta go out and vote because yep. it does it does make a difference. You know, there are there are races, local races are won and lost by hundreds of votes. Yep. Yes. You know, and those local races are as, as impactful, if not more impactful. Absolutely. Yep. And yes. we saw it in 2020 with the pandemic where it was your local representatives who were making decisions that affected, did your restaurant open? 100%. You know, and, and for a lot of people, that was 10 years of hard work came down to one local politician. Yep. 
and one seat on the county board of supervisors. Yep. Was it, you know, did it flip from Kristen Gaspar to Tara Lawson Raymer? Yep. It was three five one way, and now it's three five the other. Yep. So it's like that little bit makes all the difference in the world. So um, I guess we can round it out with. Um, I don't know how much time you have if you have a deadline. I'm good. I'm okay. good. No deadline. Um, but uh, we were talking before about your thoughts on whether Newsom's going to run for president. Yeah, I think. I mean, I keep asking the question of who are the Demo who's the Democratic Party going to run? We we all know that they're not just going to concede, right? Like, yeah. They're not just going to go, okay, this one's not for us. Like that's just not how the game works. So we know that, right? I don't see a world where Biden can run. I just don't with approval ratings, with his health, with all this Hunter Biden stuff coming out now. Like, I just don't see a world where they can think that they can run Biden again successfully. I don't. My personal opinion is they have to figure out some way to get him to the side because it's weird for an incumbent president not to run again. Right. So I think he's going to say he has health problems or there's going to be something like that that happens that prevents him from running. You can't run Kamala. She's too lazy to run. She doesn't even prepare herself for anything, right? Like, it's insane watching this lady try to speak. So you're not running Kamala, right? So then who do you run? The two that I see as possibilities, one is Newsom. I think that's probably the most likely. And I think his recent Florida ridiculous freedom campaign attack ad, like, kind of made me think that he's the more likely person for that or Michelle Obama. Mm -hmm. I think that those are the two individuals that the democratic party are going to lean on. And I think one of the two of them are going to run. I don't know which one I think I'm leaning towards Newsom, but it's not going to be Biden. It's not going to be Kamala. And I'm calling that right now. I would agree with you. It's, it's more likely to be Newsom than Michelle Obama. She said numerous times, she doesn't want to run. She's done with yeah. politics and I don't blame her. They're worth, I don't know how many hundreds of millions of dollars and they have. So is Clinton. And they have houses in Nantucket, Yeah, you know, feet from the ocean. Um, they should worry about the ocean levels rising. <laughs> That's, I mean, their house is going to be gone in 10 years. So it was a bad investment. Uh, but Newsom is definitely the one I can see. He's always been obsessed with what's the next position for me. Ever yeah. since he was county board supervisor in San Francisco, it's okay. Now I'm going to be mayor. And for mayor, I think everybody knew he was, oh, was going to be governor. Was that when he was cheating on or sleeping with his campaign manager? Yeah, wife? the banger wife Newsom. Yeah, is yeah, that what I can't remember. Yeah. Just it was around that time. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, real, yeah. trust, real trustworthy guy. Yeah. I mean, that's who you want. Exactly. It's the guy that's going to sleep with his best friend's wife. But yeah. that's, that's all like that guy. Okay. I, I did a TikTok video breaking down a Newsom argument. And somebody commented, Newsom is so hot, I almost threw up in my mouth. <laughs> and I said, oh, good. But there are people who actually think Newsom's attractive. And they're like, They well, probably voted to keep him in office during the recall because of that. Because he's so attractive. I'm like, he looks like, what's his name from American Psycho? I can never remember his name. Okay. Christian Bell. Christian Bell. But yeah. what was his character? Uh, Patrick Bateman. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The slick back hair. I mean, yep. he's definitely American Psycho. But yeah, I could see Newsom. I mean, he's already doing it. He's already running the ads. Yeah. And it's funny, now the oil companies are running ads in, did you see this? They're running ads in Florida? Yep. They're saying, well, if you think Newsom's doing such a great job, here's what he's really doing in California. And it's like, why is Florida 
fighting over, or why are we fighting over what's going on in Florida, what's happening here in California? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think as Newsom is gearing himself up just to be in the wings in case Biden steps aside. But I think we'll get a real, that your timeline of yeah. what's going to happen to Biden is going to be accelerated after the midterms. 100%. And if it's a slaughter at the midterms, 100%. And Republicans take a whole bunch of Senate seats and a whole bunch of House seats and flip both, and they have stronghold on both. Um, I, I just, they're going to accelerate that and be like, well, you know, he's not doing so well. And then the health decline. And then all of a sudden now, 2023, now we're talking about who's going to be running for president. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? I'm curious what your thoughts are. What do you think this whole war conflict in Ukraine, Russia is about? <sighs> well, uh, it's obviously about getting good photos for Vogue magazine. Thank you. It's all, it's you obviously. Tell me, you tell me that this is a real war when you're posing for Vogue magazine photo yeah. shoots? Like, yeah. come on. I think it's a money laundering scheme. And Thank you. I, uh, I Thank cannot, you. I cannot Thank for the you. life of me why we... It is a CIA we, money laundering scheme. I doubt that that is exactly what I think it is. I just, you know, we have, if I... We we have a Biden border crisis. We have all these things. We have mandates and all this other crap. And I'm just like, and we're sending billion. We just sent another billion to like Ukraine this yeah. week. Yeah, you know, I, I don't get it. Like I just. Didn't they say 18 billion was too expensive to finish Trump's wall? Yeah. They were like, well, there's absolutely no money for to finish a border wall. We could cure cancer. Yeah. We could do so many things, but we have a guy that was a literal actor that is now running Ukraine, like it, it just, it rubs me as a PSYOP. That's what I think it is. And I think it's a it's a CIA money laundering scheme. That's what I think it is. Well, I think we'll look at it years down. It's just too fishy when you have the Bidens are in power. Hunter Biden was on Burisma board. They were funneling money through, and, and it's no secret that Ukraine was the money laundering capital of the world. Of course. That, they were so corrupt that if you were a foreign entity, you would push money through Ukraine and then come back to you somehow. Yeah. Um, and then you have my, my question is, and this is where I, I get really upset is I hate war of all types. I hate that Russia started the war. I hate that Ukraine and the U.S. are prolonging the war. Yeah. And that's what really gets me upset is that Zelensky could have come to the table if he really cared about the safety and preservation of his citizens, he would have came to the table and brokered peace as fast as possible. Yeah. But the fact that the U S who is really to blame because they're sending billions of dollars. Now we're sending military advisors there to prolong this war, this yeah. proxy war we have with Russia. I think that's just as just despicable because you're putting your own citizens, people who can't deal with this. Yeah. You're putting the people who are, are in harm's way more in harm's way. And it, it you see the human cost. You can go down to TJ and go to the border and see Ukrainian refugees yep. at the border with yep. children. And it's because they want to prolong the war because Zelensky needs the, the photo op. Yep. He needs him and his wife need to look at us taking pictures in front of this blown out war plane. Isn't it so dramatic? And look at us here in the presidential palace. And, you know, and here's another. 60 billion dollars from the united states it's like it just doesn't make sense and ukraine is just as guilty for prolonging in my mind yeah i thought it was funny like that the, they were like made it like the green shirt guy for like the first three weeks and i'm like 
we're going on six months and the dude hasn't changed his shirt. Like you don't wear anything else, man. Like it's just the whole thing is just a play to me. Like it's just a play. Like it just, it's, it's like the January 6th thing just on an international level. And when you have, who was it? Ben Stiller just went and met with Zelensky. Ben Stiller went and met. They're like, it's always the same people too. It's always the same people. Like a message at the Grammys. Pay attention. It's always Bono. It's always Sean Penn. It's always the same people. Like pay attention. It's always the same people. It's just funny. It's a play. It's a big play. It can't be that dangerous of a war zone. If, if you you're to, sending something about Mary out there, yeah, yeah, like, come I mean, on. I would, if it was that, why did if you didn't see Ben Stiller going to Iraq, no, or Afghanistan, no, but he had no problem going over and, and palling around with Zelensky over in Ukraine. Um, turning back to California, let's get your opinion on, and, and this is going to be tough because I know you have a lot to say, okay. What do you think is the number one pressing issue in California? It's hard to pick just one. I mean, the homeless is always a big deal, but I think the homeless is more of a a byproduct of what's going on in California. But I think if you're going to ask me that, I think it's crime and safety. I think that that's probably the biggest issue that I'm seeing right now is that you're seeing such an uptick in crime. You're seeing such an uptick in dangerous, you know, dangerous offenses being committed that I think that that's going to end up pushing a lot of people out of this state and mm-hmm. we're going to lose a lot of really good people. We're going to lose a lot of really good businesses and corporations. I also think our taxation in this state is absolutely crazy. Like it's out of control how they're trying to tax us in this state. And we're going to lose a lot of really good businesses as a result of that. So I think that those two things, but I also think that those things combine with the homeless and you're not going to want to pay these premium prices and pay $3 million to live when you have tents in front of your house. And I think that's going to cause substantial issues in the next five to 10 years in the state. So on the issue of crime um, with the attorney general, Rob Bonta and, you know, everything that happened with, you know, the, in light of like the Supreme court decision that is a, quote unquote, um, you know, win for a second amendment supporters. CCW decision. Yes. Yeah. So that being said, um, this is my personal opinion, but I know many feel this way. I think that when the data leak happened for California for the permit holders, I think that was intentional. Oh, 100%. <laughs> there's no question. Yeah. The timing, everything, how it went down, there's no question. But for me, it's like, who cares? Like, So you know that I own a CCW. So you know that I have a concealed weapon. What are you going to do? You're going to come hunt me? We're yeah. not the person you want to come hunt. We're not the group that you should come after. Like, That's a really silly mistake if that's the mistake you make. So... I think it was intentional. I don't see what it does. I think there will be a class action lawsuit involved in it. I'm curious where that goes, but yeah, I mean, there is, there is a definite movement in this state to go after certain groups of people. And that is very apparent. And I don't think that we're going to see a Republican governor in the state for a very long time. And again, I started this by saying, I think both parties are broken and both parties are shit, but I think that it's very, obvious that the politics in this state have been leading us down a bad path. You can't say that the progressive policies are working. Like we're spending more money in San Francisco on homelessness than any other city in this country. And it's one of the worst 
So throwing money at it, it's not working, yeah. but we keep doing the same stupid shit in this state. And at a point people are going to get frustrated. I said, I'd live here till the day I die. I just took the bar in Idaho. Not that I want to move to Idaho tomorrow, but it's a hedge mm -hmm. because if we keep going in the same direction and if it keeps getting unsafe and more unsafe, I'm not going to do it for forever. And I think there's more and more people that are like me and that are starting to go, does this make sense on a long-term basis if we can't turn this thing back around? Because if it keeps going the way that it's going three years, four years, five years from now, it's not going to be a place that any of us want to live, even though we love it here. It's just not going to feel safe. It's not going to be worth it. And I think there's a lot of people that are starting to realize that. I sit on a board of uh, a nonprofit, Active Valor. We help Gold Star Kids. We uh, mentor Gold Star Kids and we match them with a veteran mentor. These are usually kids that lost a father in combat, something like that, right? And we had 40 kids and we had 40 mentors. We lost I think 21 mentors in the last two years from moving out of state. Wow. These are like people that love this country, yeah. that sacrifice for this country, that put their lives on the line for this country. And they're like, I don't want to live here anymore. I'm not going to be a part of this state anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that is just a symptom of what's to come. And that's really, really scary and sad because that leaves people here that aren't going to try to help move it back in the other direction. And that's shitty. Yeah. So we'll see. I, I try not to be uh, overly pessimistic about it, but I met with uh, the chief of police this week and I asked him, she's ta we're talking about the prostitution laws now that are changing and how it's more difficult to prosecute most things and the catch and release laws. And I get where he's coming from, but I asked him after about 20 minutes of just hearing him talk about like, how it's stacked against him. I was like, chief, you love this city. Like I can tell you love this city. You care about this place. And he's like, yeah, of course I do. I'm like, so when you're laying in bed at night, what's the path out? Like what in your head is the path out of where we're at and to get to a safer place. And this dude looked at me and he goes an utter catastrophe. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? And he goes, it's either going to get so bad that we hit rock bottom, that people finally wake up and they go, how did we get here? Or we're going to have some horrible, awful, heinous event happen where people go, wow, like now we have to wake up. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that is so crazy and sad that the chief of police in one of America's biggest cities is telling me that the only way that he sees this turning around is it getting so much worse that maybe then we wake up. Yeah, that's scary. It's scary to think that we haven't even hit rock bottom. Yeah. That, and I was just going to say that I think we, we, we might not see a real turnaround one until there's a, like a legitimate opposition party in this state. There is not an, a legitimate opposition party. Democrats run everything. They yep. get pumped full of union money. It's just a vicious cycle, but there are still the other 50% outside Democrats are still Republicans and independents. So you just got to figure that out. But um, I think it's got to hit so it's got to hit rock bottom and there's got to be a organization of people to push back on this, to go. The pendulum's got to swing the other way and not too far the other way. Right. Yeah. Like because that's the problem. This pendulum just keeps swinging to extremes. 
in, I mean, you know this because of what you do for a living. In the 80s and 90s, we were too tough on crime. The war on crime, the war on drugs, all it like, that was all bullshit. We were locking up people for way too long for things that they probably shouldn't be locked up for. And now the pendulum, because of that, has swung back to the other side where we're letting people go when they have a million dollars of fentanyl that they're caught with and we're just letting them go and they're not showing up for their court here. Like it's gone the other way. I don't want it to go back to the full other side again. I just want some middle ground common sense. That's what I keep saying is like, why can't we just on all of it, on all of it, we have to compromise on the Roe v. Wade abortion thing. There's going to have to be a middle ground. Like all of it needs to just somehow like simmer down right in this middle area. Because I think that regardless of what side of the aisle you identify with, most of us, 90% of us believe the same things. If we can really just narrow it down and stop the the crazy divisive, you know, conversation, most of us could agree on most of these things. I do believe that it's just the pendulum keeps swinging so far to extremes that we can never get to that middle ground. I feel like in California, the pendulum's swinging. It's not like heading, like it's flipping over. It's going to circle back around. Yeah, yeah. hopefully it's, it's circling <laughs> yeah. back around again. But um, yeah, it's, it's got to either be an opposition party that actually knows what's doing, that talks to Californians as well. And I think that's a problem is the Democrats have gotten really good at talking to Californians. Yeah. And touching upon what Californians want. And they, they, they're very good at, well, if you want to be a true Californian, this is what Californians believe. Yep. And I think the Republicans have gotten very bad at like just talking to a wall where they're like, no, this is what Californians need. Yep. And 90% of Californians are like, no, that's not what we want at all. So we, we're not going to vote for you. Yep. Um, I don't know if, if there's a chance that the California GOP turns it around. I don't know if there's a chance uh, we had Angela McCarlon, who was the new libertarian chair. So what they're doing is pretty exciting. I don't know if there's a chance that maybe they could start to change things around. Um, but hopefully this was 2020 was the catalyst that got a lot of people to kind of go, where are we and how do we get to the next better step? How do we get back to where, there is common sense in California. Yeah. I feel like there's just, there is no common sense. In California. No. It's just, you read some of these bills that come out and you go, this isn't common sense or this isn't compassionate. Like you were saying before about these open air drug markets or drug, drug use areas and the homeless and how we treat them. And I look at that and go, this isn't compassionate. No. How is it compassionate to keep addicts on the street? Continue? And not give them help. And not give them help. Yeah, resources. Like, what are we doing? You're literally legislating them into a death sentence. Yes. That's the best way to put it. You are legislating these poor people into a death sentence because you're saying, look, we know you're addicted to drugs that are killing you. Yes. So here's a law that's going to make it legal for you to go kill yourself yeah. out on the street. Yep. Congratulations. We're very compassionate. This is California. We're very compassionate. Here. This is the California way. This is the California hashtag the California yeah. way. Yeah. So uh, I hope that a lot more people are starting to figure that out and hope they just start looking at these things and they got to start looking at these things. And I, I believe there's probably for one of you, there's probably millions of you in California who are just getting into this now and going, this has to change and what can yeah. I do? I just urge people and where I've started now with people to try to help wake them up. Last time we're going to use it is history. 
look at history, read into history, read into how our government really works. Like once you start reading into history and you realize that the government has been playing us for a long time, then you can start to look at all these things differently and go, hey, I need to be more suspicious. Hey, I need to ask more questions. But people, if you just look at it from the prism that we're in right now, get blinded to it and they can't see it. But if you can go back in history and you can look at other events that have happened where the government, you know, I, I, I use Operation Mockingbird a lot for people. And people are like, I don't know what Operation Mockingbird is. I'm like, well, it's when the CIA was implanting CIA agents into our media. And there was thousands of CIA agents running our media, head of media companies. And they were basically creating narratives and news. And they're like, that happened? I'm like, yeah, that was that's a real thing. And do you think it just stopped? Like you just think all of a sudden the government was like, no, we're not going to do it works, but we're not going to do this anymore. Mm. Like, no, that's just not the way that the world works. So when you start looking into these things, you start understanding how history actually works. And that's what a lot of my Dan rants are. It's like going back in time, looking at Operation Paperclip, looking at how we brought all the Nazi scientists over, looking at these DOD projects that no one wants to talk about. And once you start realizing that that's how the world works, you can start to question other things and you can start to go, well, maybe this COVID narrative isn't exactly what they want us to think it is. Maybe that there's something else going on. Maybe the January 6th thing isn't exactly what they're telling us that it is on the news, because I'm telling you right now, I watch CNN to go, oh, that's suspect as shit. Because if they're pushing it that hard, you just got to start to go like, why are you pushing this as hard? Mm -hmm. Like, what's the purpose on both sides of it? So I think that that's the education that I keep trying to, to, to ask people to do, but it takes time and you can't just get it from, you know, Instagram or Facebook. You have to actually pick up a big thick book and read it. And most people are unfortunately right now too lazy to do that. But once you start going backwards, it gives you a lot of insight of how the world works. And then you can start to really question things properly. Well, I think this has been a, an amazing conversation. Uh, I'm sure we could go on for probably two or three hours. This could be like a Joe Rogan-esque right. style podcast and we can go on all night long. Uh, but uh, Winnie is, oh, Winnie was fast. I was gonna say he woke up. She, uh, she, now she's just giving kisses. Um, Dan, thanks a lot for coming. Thanks a lot for having us, hosting us in the first ever live in-person podcast. I just want to say thank you guys for doing the podcast at all. Like, I think that these are the kind of things that get people thinking. And again, like I might not agree with everything you think or everything you think, but at least we can have a conversation about it. Oh, right? yeah. Like yeah. we can sit down, we can talk, we can discuss, we can part as friends. Like that's what needs to happen. Like it needs to be more of this. And so I just appreciate you guys doing it. Well, we enjoy doing it. And this was exciting doing it the first time at this, this beautiful office. Yes, um, beautiful. You know, you do a great job, obviously. Uh, like I told everyone at the beginning, if you have any personal injury cases, Dan Fulkerson. Hopefully you never do, but that's what we do. Hopefully you never Hopefully do. Hopefully you never do. You practice statewide. It's not just San Diego. We practice statewide. Take cases in Idaho now. Yeah, car accidents, motorcycle accidents, a lot of dog bites. I got a shark bite case. I don't how you got a shark bite case. We've got a shark bite case. So yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of crazy stuff, but anything personal injury, that's what we do. And yeah, thank you guys for having me on. And anyone that has questions, reach out to me anytime. And also his uh, save a bully 
Right. Savable, yeah, French Bulldogs, English Bulldogs, follow us. We're always looking for good fosters, always looking for, like Phil, great great parents for dogs. Success story right success here. Success story <laughs> for sure. Um, but, yeah, we have a lot, of, a lot of Frenchies and a lot of English that need homes. There's a lot of them that are ditched in San Diego. People don't realize how many breeder mills that we have. They ditch dogs on the street when they're done with them. They need good homes. So before you go out and buy an English bulldog for four grand or buy a French bulldog for four grand, check us out. We might have a great dog for you. Yeah. And people don't realize I was reading an article that French bulldogs are the top. This is so sad. They're the top stolen dog yeah. in America. Yeah. That there are just stories of, I mean, Lady Gaga happened to her. Yeah. She lost her two, but she got them back, right? Also part of my motivation for my CCW. Yeah. Come after my dogs, I'll probably shoot you in your face. Like, I'm just like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> those are my kids. Like, it's just not yeah, like, yeah, I, uh, yeah. So, I, when that Lady Gaga story happened, that was an eye opener for me. Cause, I mean, you know, my Teddy, like, Teddy looks like he's a puppy. So, people are like, oh, it's a French puppy. Like, and they, you know, and it's like, no. Yeah. Not my yeah. Dog. yeah your, your French is pretty cute, too. Yeah. Are you good at French? No, I, I have a big dog, but I like French dogs. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, they're the most stolen, and and yeah, they actually take them, and they they do overbreed them to the point of yeah. of like their body just gives out. Yeah, it's so sad to think about. And that's why I tell everyone to rescue because we have so many breeding issues with Frenchies and with English. Like I sit on the board for road dogs as well, and they deal with dogs with cleft issues and all these like. And it's so, so sad because of the breeding for colors and these $7,500 dogs. And we just see so many dogs that have these genetic defects that plague them for their entire lives. And that's why I say, like, get out of the breeding system and get into the rescue system. It's the best way to get a dog is adopt. Yeah, we were lucky to adopt from you. I appreciate it. So thanks again for having us. Um, If you enjoyed this podcast... As always, I still tell everybody, just text at least one person. We do this every Thursday with a new guest. And then Wednesday, Coffee in California Politics. And you can go follow Dan Fulkerson. You can follow him on Instagram. He has all his Dan rants there. Um, and you can see his adorable Frenchie Teddy, who is co-star. You say he's a star. He's people star. watch it for Teddy. People watch it because I think they Teddy. mute me. They just watch yeah, Teddy. Like, this was the dog on his lap. Yeah. Just keep Frenchie on there. So check out Dan. As always, and thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll see you on the next one. Good night. Thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 